This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. I'm your host, Lores, and back yet again, you were only on the show, what, two, three weeks ago to discuss the beach bum. We have Brandy Lawson. Is that still your last name? I don't, I'm not sure why, but it is. Well, we're going to be talking about Midsummer today. Wow. What? Wow. like another world midsummer is a, a film that uh, you seem to enjoy quite a bit as opposed to the beach bum which i picked out that was probably my mistake letting you pick it out so what's the deal with midsummer well first of all i think it i heard uh an obnoxious uh film critic call it midsummer today mm-hmm. so i'm not really sure if you're pronouncing that correctly just give me the benefit of a doubt for this episode because i'm not going to say that but I was going to ask, uh, are you familiar with Ari Aster's work as a director? I saw Hereditary. Did you ever see The Strange Thing About the Johnsons? No, but that sounds familiar. They talked about it on Town. if you listen to that show. I try not to, so I'm not surprised that I missed that. Hmm. What is it? It's Well, do you want to have it spoiled for you? Uh, is it good enough to not spoil it? You should probably just spoil it on account of we're recording this. Okay, so the strange thing about the Johnsons is like a YouTube short film that Ari Aster directed maybe about six or seven years ago that's about this family. And it's like the Cosbys, basically. They're very nice, sweet people, it seems. Except the son is addicted to raping the father. (laughs) Okay. That's the whole thing? And he does so throughout... His entire lifetime, essentially. And it, ru- it decays the family, even up to the son's wedding day. Well, that makes sense. I feel like that would probably make it weird, at least. And the father is just very, like, passive-aggressive about it. He never <laughs> really stops it. At one point, he's taking a bath, trying to relax, and the son breaks through the, the bathroom door, Jack Torrance-style, to rape his dad. That's very funny, actually. And I don't know why he's not promoting that. And that's, I guess, what got him hereditary. And then, obviously, that movie popped off and was very popular. And now we have Midsummer, back-to-back years. Did you think that Midsummer was a superior film to Hereditary? Hmm. Um, I guess in some aspects. Like, in general, yes, I guess so. But I guess if... um, I don't think it... It's hard to compare them. I think they're almost op- opposite in a lot of ways, I think. How so? Um, I think Hereditary was like very dark, even like looking. And then Midsummer was over the top bright. And uh, Hereditary, I feel like, was more horror. I think that Hereditary was probably the better horror movie. But I think that Midsummer is the better movie overall. Yeah, that's what I just said. So, what is it about Midsummer that uh, really did it? It sounds for you? good when you say it that way. No, it sounds it sounds really gay and retarded, and it makes me hate myself. Yeah, keep saying it like that, though. It's correct. 
Ari Aster doesn't pronounce it like that, but the film critics sitting next to him did. So I don't know who you're going to trust. Ari Aster looks like Hans. Have you ever seen Ari Aster? Yeah, that's fair. I would really like to know what happened in his personal life, but he's super quiet. I looked it up today and there's like nothing. Did you did you listen to well I listened to like a New York Film Critics Society interview where he's talking about this movie and he was like oh I was undergoing a traumatic incident I had just experienced a big trauma and I decided to write this script Did he really say that? Yeah, he said something like that. Maybe he just went through a breakup. I don't know. He went through a breakup, so if he called that a trauma, it makes me find him even creepier. Uh maybe it was his first girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. So that's creepy. He's like 35. And then he started to get into the implications of Midsummer and and why he decided to write this kind of movie about uh, this kind of culture here, which is very, if you've ever watched like a Varg Vikernes video, it reminds me of that. It's very, very disturbing stuff. I think people went in expecting like a jump scare horror thing as of hereditary and then i think a lot of people were disappointed because it was i think it it moved really really slowly i don't know if that's just me but my sister saw it and she was like very bored did you hear that they had a four-hour cut of this movie before he trimmed it down to two hours and 30 something minutes i didn't hear that that's really excessive and they're still releasing an extended edition where it's going to be three hours exactly i think what else could he even put in there? I feel like it was so slow. It took everything so slowly. I don't know what else. Well, the script leaked, right? So I haven't finished reading it yet, but maybe. Did it? Longer, yeah. I, it I, really, I haven't read it. I'm not familiar with the earlier drafts of it. I think it leaked before the movie came out and he was like really upset about it. So if you thought it was a slow movie, then what made you decide to suppress that as a criticism and favor it overall? I don't even hate slow movies as long as I'm interested in like, well, first of all, like the aesthetics of the movie, I could stare at all day. So I think that that helped a lot. But um, yeah, I don't know. Everything was just kind of interesting. And it, I, I don't think it was me suppressing. I think that he overcame the slowness that he wrote. I feel like um, he... You kind of knew, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I, I feel like I kind of knew what was going to happen the whole time, essentially. But I still was interested to watch it. In what think, regard? Do you mean how things unfold with the those townspeople? Or do you mean like as much as the ending? No, I think it was a breakup movie. And I knew that from the beginning. Like you knew it from the very first conversation that they had with each other the couple sure that they were going to break up at some point in the movie so i think as it went on and you kind of saw them being separated a lot and then he even uh foreshadowed like her becoming the whatever may queen or whatever you kind of could piece it together and see i i don't know if that's just me but i could kind of figure out like oh she's for sure gonna be a part of this cult and then i mean at that point, people were already dying. So I kind of figured the person that hurt her the most would probably die if she was like a part of this cult that was killing people. Yeah, I kind of got the implication of that when she was having 
that discussion with the uh, foreign exchange guy who brought them all out there. And he's talking about, oh, I lost my family. You lost your family. And this is a different kind of family. Seemed to be building in that direction. Were you surprised at all by the fact that they were not more sinister in their nature? Um, No, I think I kind of expected it to be creepy in the way of like a creepy doll that is at your grandma's house. Like Sweden comes across very creepy in an idyllic way to me. Mm. So I don't know how they could make Swedish people seem scary. So They're just always smiley. If you had found elements of this movie predictable, or at least easy to guess, uh, were there moments that caught you off guard? I guess the details of it were more what was like interesting to me. And I guess that's probably why, even though I knew what was going to happen in the long run, I was interested to watch it. The, the ways that people died were always interesting. It was never something super simple. It was always like that guy that was cut open and implied that he was still alive. I didn't really see that coming. So I guess that's good for my mental health. I don't, you know, that's not really possible also. That kind of irritated me. The lungs were breathing, right, outside of his body. That's not um, medically correct. (laughs) I think one of the biggest uh, strengths of this movie, even if uh, maybe it was easy to predict where things were going, was um, the tension. Ari Aster has a good knack for building tension over a period of time. So maybe even if you can guess that something nasty is about to happen. He'll draw that out or maybe the opening 20 some odd minutes. And we're going to spoil this movie. That goes without saying where her sister not only kills herself, but offs the two parents in a, in a gas leak uh, intentionally in the way that it's set up where it's like, Oh, well she could just be pulling another incident where she wants you to feel bad for her and get attention. Cause she's got, X, Y, or Z mental illness, and this isn't anything new for her, and the boyfriend is dismissing it, trying to calm her down, and then it winds up, oh no, she actually did the worst thing imaginable, and it's very creepy. And that's another thing, too, that Ari Aster seems to have a good handle on, is tapping into something that is legitimately creepy. And I think you're kind of talking about that a bit when you get into the smaller details of things, like... Another instance that comes to mind is toward the end where they are burning that uh, effigy with the people inside and her boyfriend's in the bear costume. But like the way that the dead bodies look when they're stuffed is particularly unnerving, in my opinion, compared to other horror films that where it's just like, ooh, this person's dead. Can you believe it? And there's like no attention to detail as to how that body looks. It's just a bunch of pale makeup or blood or, or, or whatever. There's something very uh disturbing about that in my opinion yeah i think he has fun with being scary which is like really i don't like horror movies at all on a whole why but um i don't i'm they i don't find them scary almost ever i i'm not scared of monsters because i'm not a child so well what, what was the last horror movie you found actually genuinely scary well hereditary was scary to me but not, uh, I don't know if I'm like sc- ever scared. Uh, I guess I was scared when I watched the movie fun, uh, Funny Games. The original? Have you seen that? Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know a second one. So the one with, I don't know what year that even was. Well, Michael was- Hynek did 
one in his, I think his home country is Denmark. I could be wrong about that. Okay, so not that one, obviously. Then the one with Michael Pitt and Tim Roth and Naomi Watts. Yes, that one. Yeah. Um, that scared me. I kind of thought that Hereditary had a bit of the wind sucked out of it when the big reveal at the end uh, was uh, explored. You know, we see all these these naked old people that look like they belong on the set of Real Sex HBO, and and you know, it, 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 you know, there there was so much great about that movie, and I'll, I'll admit that uh, some of the scenes were uh, legitimately creepy, which again, many horror films are struggling with nowadays for one reason or another. But I don't know if it really stuck the landing the same way that Heredity uh, Midsummer wound up doing. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. I don't even really remember the end, and I just saw that movie, so I guess that's probably not great. Um, yeah, I found the rest of the movie creepy. The end was like, I, I don't even really understand what was going on, and I didn't care. I it got a little too wacky. It. Yeah, it was, it was, it was like uh, Gabriel Byrne winds up just uh, engulfing in flames, and then Tony Collette oh, yeah. kills herself, and all those old Rosemary's Baby extras come out and start worshiping Nat Wolf's brother. Cool. Great. Maybe that part was just for like the hot, the hotness of the people. <laughs> right. You have to clock in that nudity. So it's yeah, officially a horror films. film. Sure. So, yeah. I don't know. I was happy with the rest of the movie, so I didn't really care about the end, but a lot of people didn't like the end of Midsummer either. Why? I think they, because people don't like it when the, when the writer of the movie doesn't tell you what happened. They get really mad about that, I think. so. But I think it's, it's like self-explanatory, isn't it? Um, I think that they were confused about how they felt about what happened. Like, he didn't really say who the bad person was and who the good person was. So I think people were frustrated by, like, their own feelings, which is probably an accomplishment. In what regard, his. though? I think it's incredibly clear who the bad person is in, in this. Yeah, but you don't have morals. That's what we talked about <laughs> oh, on my right, show yeah. is because she killed her boyfriend because he cheated on her. That's not normal. People don't usually feel okay with that. You're just like, oh, that's fine. Yeah, that's you not exactly grounds wrong. for death. Grounds for being burnt to death, no less. Yeah, that's what people feel conflicted about. <laughs> I'm to explain that to you. So, so then, hold on a second. I'm the one with the clear set of morals here. It's them... Who have this weird gray area where it's like, oh, she she's a girl. She got cheated on. She, you know, maybe it's okay that she burnt her boyfriend alive. It's like, no, she she's no. The I think it was villain. more. It was more like she like they were on her side. Mm -hmm. He's a piece of shit. You know, get rid of him or whatever. Break up with him, and then she was like, kill him, and they were like, what? No, and then it was too late because it was over. Well, that, I, that's because we have infant film critics nowadays where they will praise. Uh, child films and look at this and go, I don't get it. This is too hard. I'm like, uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think there's a lot of people that I think wouldn't like this movie and they think that they will like it because they like hereditary. And then it, but it's more, um, vague. I feel like the ending was like conflicting for those types of people. But wouldn't you say that hereditary had just as black and white or, or rather, uh, not as, black of white uh, characters is, is Midsummer. Like, I feel like um, Tony Collette's yeah. character and Nat Wolf's character were equally gray. How? 
for well, for starters, the brother winds up killing the sister and then hides her. I death mean, kind and... of, but not really. He didn't stab her to death. It was an accident. Yeah, but he he doesn't do anything about it. He just lets them discover her body by the side of the road and has no culpability <laughs> for his action. Your morals are weird. You draw lines in weird places. He was traumatized. I don't think anybody... I think people sympathized with him. You know, I think O.J. Simpson was traumatized, too. Didn't okay. you see that American Crime Story special where he's like, is Nicole dead? And he's he's at a loss for words. And, and you know, he's he's going through a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue that. The characters undergo weird experiences. They do the wrong thing. And I don't think it's that dissimilar to many of the characters in this film. But the end, you felt like she did a bad thing. Yeah. I guess so. (laughs) What do you mean you guess so? She single-handedly... She was like fully crazy though. So can you even Hmm. really like judge it? In a court of law, yes, you can judge it. I I don't think the insanity plea here would, would really work in her benefit. I do. I feel like if your family all dies at once, uh, you could probably kill somebody and get away with it. A month Just, later? Especially a month later. I don't think so. Well, we'll see. <laughs> somebody test it out and then let us know. That's going to be Jack's roommate. Yeah, probably. Hopefully. Hopefully. We can move on with the show. Ari Aster, talented filmmaker. I would actually make the argument that he's one of the more competent directors that are working for a studio currently and making interesting films. Would you say that this is a great movie overall or just a great movie for its category? What category would that even be? Horror, thriller, something more niche like that. Um, I guess because I don't feel comfortable putting it in any specific category, I would say it's a great movie overall. I feel like that's a good thing when you don't fit into one category. I did have one thing that I didn't understand, and I'm not sure if he's smart enough to sneak little things in here like that or if it was just a mistake. So when the sister killed the parents, mm-hmm. there was duct tape on the outside of her door. Like She used the tubes from the car, right, and then into her room and duct taped the bottom of her door from the outside. How could she do that if she was inside? You could put half the tab of duct tape onto the door so it would drag. But if it was also latched to the floor, then, yeah, something would be up there. I'm not sure if he was trying to do a thing about, like, somebody, like, Danny was there or something. Because also, I had it, it was weird to me when she had that vision of her parents dead on when she was in Sweden. And her sister was there with the mask on, but how did she like have that in her head? Because she didn't, I mean, theoretically she would never have seen her sister with the mask on her. That's a really good observation that I think could lead to some interesting theories, but my guess is that that was a mistake. Yeah, I'm not sure because I don't know enough about him as a writer, but if he did write that, that's pretty good. I don't know much about his method of filmmaking beyond what I've watched. I haven't really gone into any of like the conspiracy holes surrounding his filmmaking. I know that there's some for uh, Jordan Peele where many think that he sneaks in little symbols or 
what have you into his films that allude to something and who knows what that something may be i'm sure he does but he just i can't i'm i don't know why i don't like him i should but i don't know he just it's like he's too into why shining i liked get out kind of i liked get out a lot and i disliked how everyone else liked get out what does that mean because the the people that Get Out was criticizing loved Get Out and didn't really seem to have any kind of self-awareness of that. It's not his fault. No, but he's also leaned into that. That's true. Where it's like he had one particular message with that movie and then his if 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 he actually has like some genuine feeling toward that message and that criticism then why would he continue to go on and indulge himself in a manner uh, that is to the the pleasure and benefit of that specific crowd? Well, what is he supposed to do? Be like, only black people are allowed in this movie? Didn't he say that? Didn't he literally say that? And well, it was if he a, did say that, then I kind of like him a little bit more. It was like a, a, a media storm? Oh, no. What he said was, oh, I'm not going to have any white male protagonists or something like that. Close. Okay. Okay, well, cool. I hope everybody enjoys that. I'm sure they will. Anytime you say anything against Trump or white guys, it just automatically wins. So that's, you know, that's what really irritates me about how Jordan Peele just leans. He really does lean into that. I mean, he's kind of in the same category right now as Ari Aster and Robert Eggers. They're part of this new school art horror movement thing that's going on. It's really cringe the labeling of that but he did have that twilight zone series for cbs all access and i believe a good three quarters of the episodes are entirely in that vein starting with the kumail nanjiani one where he wants to tell anti-trump jokes but the audience won't laugh and so he develops a power which he can punish them because they're not smart enough whatever he jokes about becomes real is that real or are you exaggerating that I wish I was exaggerating that. That's so annoying. Yeah, this is the kind of people that I are frustrated by the end of the of Midsummer. It's like they just need to be told what to feel, and if they don't, if they're conflicted about their feelings, they're upset and they're confused. Well, he watched The Shining like right before and during writing this. I'm absolutely sure of that. And then he started wearing that plaid shirt on set so automatically I knew I wasn't really I don't like The Shining I think I've said that before but um why don't you like it it's just the symbolism is just annoying it just annoys me it's just too much it's like I don't like poetry and I don't like over the top symbolism what is poetry (laughs) I think The Shining is great only because I think Stanley Kubrick is probably the only director to have the the, the genuine intellect to be able to pull off uh, those kinds of Easter eggs and, and uh, subliminal ideas in his films. And I think a lot of people try to ape that and they're not smart enough to, and they wind up coming across as uh, ripoffs like Jordan Peele. I mean, I'd rather watch The Shining than Jordan Peele movie, obviously. But it's just, yeah, like, I don't know when you, you know, when you hear people do slam poetry and you want to kill yourself because it's just so embarrassing like that's how i feel when i watch the shining it's just so he just has no shame about being like poetic and 
pretty and I just don't. Are you sure you're not talking about the 1997 Shining that was made for ABC? Was that not the original? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think this might be the first comparison ever between The Shining and Slam Poetry. Oh, it's accurate. In, in what way? Just in it's that. Just, it's self indulgent, it's not self aware, and it just gives me douche chills. That's but a terrible it looks take. it looks pretty, I guess. Cool. Great. I mean that's what he was trying to do a lot of the time, right? Make it look pretty. I, I think that was the message he was trying to convey through uh, many of the uh, subliminal messages of that film. Like when Danny is wearing the Apollo eleven sweater because the moon landing was really pretty, and that's I think what was uh the meaning here. Anyway, back to Ari Aster. I was running out of fuel. As I was saying that, actually, no, I, let's talk about Jordan Peele a little bit, because I think, how would you rank the three directors in that tier I just mentioned, where we're talking about what journalists have labeled art horror or, or elevated horror, one of those terms, and Ari Aster's in that group, Jordan Peele is in that group, and I don't know if you've seen The Witch, but Robert Eggers is also in that group. I haven't seen that, but I will see it if it's in the same category, but you know, I'm going to put him second because I don't like Jordan Peele and I want to put him third and Ari Aster is my fave. So he goes first. Okay. I heard t uh, an interview today where they were reading a quote from Jordan Peele to Ari Aster about, um, I think it was Midsummer. He was just giving like a lot of praise and they were just looking at Ari Aster like high praise, huh? Like he should have been like, so amazed by Jordan Peele liking his movie that was so much better than the other movies that Jordan Peele had made. It was just so annoying. Well, I think they have the same message. Aside from the the general setup of the plot and them going to Sweden and getting into this uh, European culture, I only thought that because at the end of that interview I had referenced where he's talking to a film critic in front of an audience and it's in New York... <laughs> He starts to delve into how this kind of culture is having a resurgence in popularity as of late. And that was his process behind Caucasian? writing the script. That's a little more all-encompassing. Uh, That's a little more general. I, um, I think the principle remains Was he talking about cults or was he talking about like that weird European shit? I guess more so the latter. Caucasians. That you think that they had the same message? I think Jordan Peele as a director is trying to communicate a certain thing. And Ari Aster did that as well in this film and did so in a much more subtle and comprehensible manner. I feel manner. like Ari Aster is just talking about himself. I don't think those two things so are mutually exclusive, though. Uh, I think that Ari Aster's movies are about family, most, mostly, especially the first one. Um, and then Jordan Peele is about, like, society. Because we live in a society, yes. Yeah, but I don't think he fo- I guess he did, kind of- What, what was the- f Yeah, I guess he does focus on family. Why are they both focusing on family? That's weird. I never noticed that. Well, I don't- I don't know if Us was necessarily about family in the same way as Ari Aster's three films. I would say that that's a much more centralized component of his movies than of Jordan Peele's. Yeah. I guess so. I, I mean, I'm having a hard time like deciding what Jordan Peele's point is, I guess. I think Jordan Peele's point in the first movie of his was more circled around race relations and 
Us was maybe more about social classes. Us was so boring. I like the, the reason I liked Get Out was because it had one theme. Yeah, like what you said is about race, like race relations. It's easy to follow that. And then Us was about I feel like just a lot of different things. And then like okay, what was the I think the symbolism just fucked it up. I feel like if he would have taken all of those weird little parts out, it would have made it more of a focused movie. Like what? Like the rabbits. What was the point of that? Again, this is where people wind up reading too much into that or maybe reading exactly the right amount into that and see some kind of symbolism that he's masking in this film. That in like a, you know, it's been a while since I've seen Us, but there was another thing that came to mind for me as I was watching it where I was like, okay, that probably means something. And it was the scoreboard during, I think it was a football game and it was like 11-11. But I never, I, I didn't care Stupid. enough about the movie to actually research that and see what that meant. But I, it no, made I me think, either. okay, he's dropping clues or hints to some greater idea within this movie. And you, you like that or no? Because I, I feel think it like depends on the so filmmaker. Dumb. Like again, eleven, eleven, stupid. He wanted the audience to wish on eleven, eleven because all wishes come so true dumb. at that time. Causes brain tumors if you wish. The on rabbits, 11/11. they ate them and they were bloody. Scary. Okay. I didn't even understand the point of that movie. What was the point? The like, point what was... was he, what would you say, like, in a statement, what he was trying to say? I think that's difficult to gauge. There's a lot of popular opinions about what that is in regards to it being, oh, we have an upper class and a middle class that's disappearing, and then we have the the underclass, the lower class here that's forgotten about, and they're going to rise up one day and... Eat the rich, socialism. Yeah, okay. Communism. And then what happened at the end? All the white people died. Well, yeah, but then the 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 mom was like the bad mom, and then it switched. What the fuck was that? Why would you throw that in at the end? That was a really stupid twist. In Why would opinion. I didn't even understand? Like, she had a suppressed memory of living in this facility, and that also caused uh, the her doppelganger to, uh, you know, have this coalition and rise up and try to swap places. And it was it was really ham-fisted and dumb. They could have just cut the end out. Yeah. What did you think of Tim Heidecker in this movie, in that movie? Whatever. I don't know. He's fine, I guess. Do you I not like Tim find, Heidecker? I don't find him funny. At, I don't really find him funny. Ever? Like I get it, but not re- I mean, probably some, but I, d- I can't remember any instances, so. What about that it's free real estate gif? I don't even know what that is. I've, I don't think I've ever seen an episode of that show. I just watched his movie recently, The Comedy, which came out in 2012, and at the time I thought it was good. But if you watch it now, it's like a perfect encapsulation of hipster culture and like social deterioration yeah uh, the people that like tim and eric are not people that i like generally speaking so yeah (laughs) okay they're just they're just always like i don't know they're just weird people always no i'll agree with that way the people that i know that still find tim and eric as funny as they did back in 2008 or 2009 like, their, their sense of humor hasn't evolved at all. It hasn't changed one bit. They can, 
like they still make the same references they were making 10 years ago and it's kind of bizarre to me yeah it's annoying and they probably eat like funyuns every single day if you like tim and eric why don't you like eric andre more that's he's, my question he's a try too hard i can't i can't i sit down and enjoy his comedy when he first showed up it was like okay hannibal burst is the best part of this show first of all Second of all, he's essentially just trying to do both Tim and Eric, but it doesn't come off as like smooth as it does when they perform in the way that they do. I don't think that he's trying things, though. I feel like he's just like punk and weird and he just has ADD and he just throws himself into things like I enjoy. I enjoy watching him hurt himself because I know that he's actually doing it. I think his best work we're was sorry, on, Dawson. Was on Two Broke Girls, CBS sitcom, Monday nights at eight. If sponsors, I don't even think that show's on the air anymore. Was he in that? Yeah, he played. I, I I don't know. I didn't I didn't watch that show. I just know you that definitely did watch that show because I didn't even know that he was in that. I pay attention to commercials, and CBS is a network that I would frequently Yikes. watch. This is not good for your credibility. You might have to cut this part out. I have to tune into NCIS every Thursday, and I would see those commercials telling me to tune in every Monday night. It's not better that you watched NCIS, but... Did I say NCIS? I meant NCIS LA. NCIS is interesting because everybody on that show secretly hates each other. All the actors don't like the main guy. Mark Harmon? Super aggressive, yeah. I, I don't know anything. I didn't even know that show was still on the air. I think it's just that LL Cool J, Chris O'Donnell program. Yeah, that's good. That's like where, that that's where like all the stars of 15 years ago wind up, if they're lucky. They get a good crime show on CBS for 12 years. Old people like those, so that's good. What happened to shows getting canceled? That doesn't happen anymore. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess not really. It seems um, like only streaming uh, series wind up getting canceled and everything on network TV stays on network TV for 25 years. Well, they don't have anything left. Who would pitch to CBS at this point? Oh, do you want to write a show where we tell you what you can not say? Or do you want to go to Netflix and put anything up, literally anything you could ever think of? Yeah, nobody wants restrictions anymore. Maybe I should pitch something to CBS. You There's should get on, going on get on CBS All Access. Is that a separate thing? That's their streaming platform. <laughs> That's so sad. What a terrible name. The big get for that was Star Trek. And then they apparently blew it with that series. And it turned all like the Trekkies against CBS. And now they want nothing to do with it. But now they're bringing in Patrick Stewart. So they're like, well, maybe I'll give it another shot. But I, I, I think CBS and I think NBC might be starting up their own platform or, or universal, whoever owns that network now. And that's going to wind up killing Netflix in the long term. Like the I office, don't think so. the office is disappearing from Netflix. And I think that alone might be enough to at least severely hinder. Yeah. There was a guy in my office that said like really loud and he wasn't joking at all. He was being like super aggressive. And he was like, if they take the office, off of Netflix, I'm canceling forever. And he was like being very serious about it. So I guess people are really doing that. I don't think though, this is like when Uber came along and then there was like a good year and a half where taxis were just mad about it. And then they were like, hey, we have an app too, like two years later. It's whoever's first to market always has the upper hand. I don't think, 
Didn't they that get shut down? I feel well, I feel like the uh, central like yellow cab app wound up getting shut down, and that's why nobody talks about it. I don't know what their app was. There's one. I don't use. I just use my hand, so yeah. I don't know. It's only why. convenient to take a taxi in New York City. Everywhere else, they are redundant. It rules. When I was in California, I tried to take a taxi, and they were like fifteen dollar minimum, and they were just sitting there. I was like, you're just sitting here. You might as well take me. But they refused. But I, yeah. I, I don't think the point sticks in the same way because there are way too many. I, I mean, look, if you take a look at something like the Warner Brothers DC Comics streaming platform, I don't think there's a future for that. I think it might be too niche. But something where they have like a big name attached, if that's a series or it's a movie or, or if they have some kind of original series with the right stars involved... I think it could absolutely be detrimental to Netflix. Yeah, but if they had the right people and the right content, wouldn't they already have it? Maybe. Content's terrible right now. That's the problem. Netflix? No. um, Well, I mean, Netflix isn't doing that great either, but they're better than CBS. What does CBS even have? You can get the Big Brother live feeds. Fuck, dude. I forgot about Big Brother. Oh shit! I might have to sign up for the thing. I'm I'm kind of out on Big Brother. They got rid of four minorities in a row. No white people have been evicted <laughs> this season. That's cool. <laughs> people are very upset, and they had like a bring back challenge last week, and it was like the one white oh, guy really? who got out. It was the old guy. He came back in. That would be crazy if they were like you know how sometimes they do like a girls alliance and a guys alliance. That'd be crazy if they were like all right white alliance. That, that's watch that. been done before on Survivor. They had a race wars uh, season. And it was an Asian what? tribe, a Hispanic tribe, a black tribe, and a white tribe. And at the merge, it was the white tribe versus like the multi-ethnic tribe. And it was the Jewish guy who flipped sides on the whites <laughs> and took this them all out. This is so amazing. I didn't know about this. Why did they think this was a good idea? It, look, was it, it really early? It was a more innocent time. It was like 2006. Okay. Amazing. The show we had been on. <laughs> yeah, that would be the end of CBS in general if they ever tried that. What if they just got like super niche to like white supremacists? That's a good. I mean, Trump won a lot of his stuff on that. So yeah, and he's trying Maybe. to free ASAP Rocky right now. How dare you slander that that man's name? Yeah, he's the queen. And who's holding him hostage? Sweden. Back to midsummer. I know. I thought about that. That's kind of that, that whole thing is Scary. weird. He didn't. He didn't initiate the fight, and yet they dropped the charges of the people who did, and he's still being locked up. You're, you're woke right now. I know. I'm. I'm trying to be. Maybe they're going to put him in a bear outfit. The whole thing is weird. What do you mean? What's going on? Why does he have time to talk about this? Isn't he the president? I don't understand. Like, what does he do all day? He's trying to impress Kanye West. We all are, though, kind of. I get that. I mean, if you're the president and Kanye West calls you up and he's like, hey, so there's this situation going on. That's really weird. I wonder if he wears Yeezys. Didn't you see, right after the election happened and everybody was like mopey and depressed and like shell-shocked, there was an Instagram video from 50 Cent and he's like, yeah, don't tell anybody. I'm going out with the president tonight. We're going to the club together. And he was 100% sincere. 
No, he's not. 50 Cent is a troll. I'm, I'm telling you, he is friends with 50 Cent as well. Like, he would disappear from the Secret Service abruptly. Nobody would know where he was at, and he would be partying with 50 Cent. I just really would love to, like, watch a day at the White House. Is it just frantic people? They must just, I mean, his team must just be exhausted. I think most of them have probably adjusted by now. Things, I mean, look, things right now are fairly normal compared to how things were in early 2017, where literally, like, everyone was dropping off. Every week, someone new would quit. Yeah, that's true. Now you don't really hear about that. I think Sarah Sanders just resigned. This is great. This is great fodder for a movie podcast. People aren't really sick of hearing about I don't about like Trump. politics. Why are we talking about this? I don't care. This is great. You guys tried to egg me on, on your show, to talk about politics. I didn't. I literally, I, every single time Jack brings up politics, I shut down completely. And I don't know why he continues to do it. What else can be said about Midsummer? It is... Midsummer. It is a story about Trump. It is a story about the CBS. end of America, CBS All Access, Star Trek, Picard. Um, what do you think his thing is with uh, like physically handicapped people with defigurements? That was weird, right? What was the point of that? I think... He included that character for the same reason why he cast that really ugly munchkin girl. First of all, she's a child, and she doesn't look like that. She had prosthetics on her face. Is that true? Yes. A little bit. It was, I mean, she is kind of weird looking. Did they but... give her a hair lip and the rest was the same? That's not going to help. <laughs> she's not. Okay, I don't know why I'm... Def- whatever. If you want to call a little girl ugly... That's Plenty of kids ahead. are ugly. They're, they're all beautiful. <laughs> I love children. They're great. What were you saying? I don't know. What was the point of the thing? Defigurements. Why do you think he has like a weird hang up with defigured people? I'm confused about like what the point of that character even was. So I would say probably, yeah, because there was no other point to put that person in. I think it was just a character trait of the movie where you're going to include this element that is kind of, redundant but it can at least add a texture or an aesthetic to your film that might not have been there otherwise that will get people thinking like hmm what's that about um maybe he i think that he has a thing about being scary where it's almost normal and that's why it's scary so like maybe a person that's like clearly a person but just like slightly weird and you don't really understand what is going on with that person like the little girl, there was never anything about her that they didn't say she had like a disease or anything. It didn't look like she was like actually disabled. It was just that she was weird looking. Yeah, it was heavily implied that she was dying of syphilis. Uh, if you read the press release to the movie, there's a big paragraph about that. But uh, she had like that click thing where it was kind of like a Tourette's thing where, where she would Wasn't make that there noise. A sound in this movie too that he did? There was some sort of sound like that. Yeah, I think he has, like, a big thing about sound, too. And that was, like, my favorite part of the movie. I did pay attention to the sound design in the beginning where the protagonist is typing on the computer, reading the email. Where can people find your podcast? Um, Steven, what's what's it called? Um, 
stephenhawkingfightclub.com. Are you on Spotify or? Mm-hmm. I'm on all the stuff because I have to try now. Here's what you should do. You should create a Facebook group first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And then, by the way, if people had some negative things to say about the episode you were on because of your opinions regarding Matthew McConaughey. Every single time I do a podcast, whoever's podcast it is gets negative like messages. And I just want to say that that's, I'm doing it on purpose. I'm being unlikable. It's a character. And disagreeable. Yeah. So jokes on you guys. I had. Uh, what did I, they say? I I don't know. It's, it was a. I mean, you did that show maybe about a month ago now, I think. But I just went over to my Facebook group where, like, the listeners and people who watch all my stuff uh, hang out and congregate. So I went over to the Facebook group, and some guy was just like, "Whew, these guests on your on your podcast as of late." Yeah. Yikes! Jeez. You don't. That doesn't mean me. You don't no, he. That. They. It was. It was during the week that you were on and linked your episode specifically. I mean, whatever. He's sexist. It must be my first female guest on the show and exactly. criticism suddenly. Interesting. Interesting. Is that really your first female? How many episodes have you done of this? This is episode 36 That's or 37. Good. I don't allow women anywhere near me. That's fine then. Anyway, Brandy, thank you for coming on the show to discuss Midsommar. I think that uh, this was a much better episode than The Beach Bum. I'm going on that Facebook group, and then we'll see who fucking likes me. You do that. I think you might be the first girl in there. Actually, no, there's some girl from Germany that's hanging out in there. Great. Well, this has been Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema, and thanks for tuning in.